but the way the way our show came to be rebooted was I don't think it was a it wasn't planned by NBC because what happened back in 2016 um, I just wrapped up um, Fuller House and I got an email from Max Muchenek it says we're gonna put the band back together and I was like what <laughs> we're gonna put the, we're gonna do something we're gonna try to do something for Hillary or just to get people out there to vote right and yeah he and David Cohan had an idea um, just to to write something uh, quote-unquote episode of Will and Grace. In this episode, we talk with Steve Sandoval. Steve is a multi-camera sitcom producer, having produced multiple TV situational comedies since the early 2000s. He also worked the entire run of the Emmy award-winning series Will and Grace. Recently, he has produced Fuller House for Netflix and is currently producing the 11th season of Will and Grace. This is Creative disruption the intersection where entertainment data and creativity meet here's your host ricky ray butler and daryl leaves welcome back to the creative disruption podcast where we talk about everything that's disrupting the industry and i'm joined here by my co-host ricky ray butler how you doing ricky i'm doing fantastic (laughs) (laughs) so here's the interesting thing um you know programming tv programming um back in the day when a TV programming was canceled, they'd get bad ratings and they're like, okay, we're gonna cancel this show, right? That's what happens. Do you realize what's canceling shows now? Hmm, um, no. The AI. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I I was reading this post just recently that- um, So so, so what do you mean canceling shows? AI, like when it comes to broadcast television or or YouTube or- If it's gonna get a second season or a third season. Interesting, okay, tell me more. Well, so here's the the deep, uh, the the details on it for sure. Um, There's so much data and they can see how many people are watching, how many people are um, integrating it into their lives, that they're binge watching, whatever it may be, in a short amount of time and you know, the the, the life of it and there's certain metrics that, that they look at. One of the things is how many people are watching it right when they release? You know, how many are binge watching it and coming back and, and how long does that last? Where's the deterioration of that, of that series from there? Um, there's one called The Dollhouse on Netflix. It just barely got picked up. It was just in the news. Oh, I've heard about it. And they, they were, in the article itself, they were basically attributing their success to the Netflix algorithm. <laughs> like, hey, the algorithm picked us up. <laughs> and that's the only reason why we got to season two. But the reality is this. It's like at the end of the day, these, you know, as we have more data, it helps us make the right data-driven decisions. And that's where, you know, Netflix and Amazon and now come, you know, Disney Plus will be able to, to do that versus, you know, Nielsen ratings on television. <coughs> well, one thing that's interesting to me is what these like streaming platforms, they know exactly in the, in the first seven days or in the first 30 days, if it's how many be people are watching it and then what the view through rate is. Exactly. And exactly. so the data that we have today is just insane compared to what happened traditionally. And, and, and we're, we're, you know, there was a lot of you know, dependency on, on Nielsen. But right now, when you look at the different streaming platforms, you know, with, on YouTube, you just you end up you know, becoming irrelevant on your own. <laughs> but but you know, you know, with like a Netflix or an Amazon or a Hulu, I mean, they have, they're, they're monitoring that data like, like a hawk and figuring out, okay, 
which which shows are having you know which shows are being binged, which shows have a high view through rate, and then you know which shows you know really are you know gaining traction or not. Do you, and so there's going to be more, I believe, more cancellations of shows here, quicker. Here's an interesting thing, and I was I was at VidCon London. We were there, mm-hmm. and one of the panels that was right before we actually went on and started talking about the AI. Um, it, it was really, 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 really in depth on WWE strategy of how they know who's actually trending or not. And they actually have a dashboard of every one of their characters and they have to meet certain social marks or they get canned. Mm. <laughs> they get fired. Wow. And so it's like the whole thing is they're, they're going back, okay, how can I improve my social score? Because they have this whole AI scoring system, which is off the charts. And that's where things are happening now in the industry, you know, more about, okay, do you know what? Um, what if Seinfeld would have got canceled after the, the first yeah, pilot? Yeah, that's interesting. That's you know? very interesting. And it's like, how long is the adoption? Can we have a track record? Can we spot shows like Seinfeld that's coming down the road? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think this leads for a perfect uh, segue to introduce our guest because he's, he's not only producing a show that's super successful, but that they actually rebooted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We're very lucky to have Steve Sandoval um, um, joining us today. Steve you know, has worked on a lot of you know, impressive um, titles um, in, in television. Um, you know, first of all, you know, Will and Grace, he's also worked on Fuller House, on the Netflix series. The reboot of Full House. The, the reboot of Full House. So and two reboots, right? Yeah, out yeah of that. two reboots. Yeah, <laughs> Will and Grace was rebooted yeah. as well as Fuller House. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, thank you for joining us. That's my pleasure to be could, here. Could you just give us a little bit about your background, just for the viewers and listeners? Well, uh, I've been uh, working in multicams mostly for the past twenty years or so, and that's really my, my the bulk of my experience. But I started working in this industry on a show called Dream On, which was an HBO comedy from years back. I don't even know if you guys remember it, but it was one of the first comedies ever on HBO. I think the first comedy on HBO was a show with O.J. Simpson about some football players. How did that turn out? I think it was on for a few years. (laughs) But but this comedy was a single-camera comedy that we shot out in um, Sun Valley, and it was a a great show. It was uh, produced by the same people I'm working for currently, which is Universal Television. Back then it was called... Uh, MCA television, but it was basically universal. And um, it was just a, a show that was kind of created so that they can use their archives of old footage. And Marta Kaufman and David Crane, who went on to create Friends, this was their show that they created with John Landis, who was a, the director. Um, and they used the huge archive of clips from universal uh, created television shows from the 50s and 60s and then they went back and used uh, universal movies way back into the 30s but uh, it was a great show and it went for six seasons and then i met there i met um, these two guys and one was named max muchnick and the other david cohan they were writers on that show little baby writers in an office about this big wow <laughs> yeah and um, <laughs> You know, they said, um, when they left and when they walked out, they said, you know, when we get our show, we're going to call you in. You're going to coordinate our show. I said, yeah, okay, have a good, good luck. Good luck on that one. <laughs> good luck. How many times you heard that? <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, you know, about a year and a, about a year later, they called me. Um, they got a pilot, and it was called um, Boston Common. It was for NBC. Oh, wow. um, and it was, it was on the air for two years. And then... Um, 
then I was doing other things. And then they called me back and they got this other show picked up called Will and Grace. And so that was back in 98. So I started working on that show in 98. And that went until 2006. And then I was, then I would, then I was out of work for a long time <laughs> in this industry anyway. Um, and uh, started working for, and then came back and worked for the Disney Channel for about five years and did a bunch of multicams there because they were the ones doing the multicams at the time. Right. And, um, you know, got on Max and Dave, these guys, they had a show for TBS called Clipped a few years back in 2015. Uh, that was a one season, one off. Um, and then I did this Fuller House and then Will and Grace, you know, miraculously, yeah, came back from the dead. So I've been there for the past three years. So. So you've been able to see a lot, you know, over the course of your career in the industry of how things have changed. And yeah. um, one of the things that I that I noticed, especially with Will and Grace, it's like very clever writing. Um, and and it was needed. Like at that time, you had other shows. It was just like really brash or whatever. But this was like really clever writing. Mm -hmm. And they, they would lead into the next joke. Like there was an ongoing joke that was there. Yeah. Could you talk about that kind of that creative process? I know that probably wasn't your department that was there. but It wasn't mine. I got to see what they did for, you know, glimpses of how they did. I was I would be in the room with them once in a while talking about production things and observing what they did. But it was it's a group effort. They come into a room about like this and there's, you know, twelve to fifteen funny people sitting around a table and um that's they write it, you know, they kind of almost gang write everything. They start in the beginning of before the the season even starts and um and they get right on boards and they they arc a season out. They said, okay, we're going to do this, this, this. This is what's going to happen to this character, that character, character, the other. And they plan it all out. And then they start coming up with ideas for episodes. And they start writing episodes. They send writers off to write individual episodes. And then they call them back together. And they polish them up. And, they, um, sh and then we bring everybody together, read it in front of the, uh, um, the studio and the network. And they continue to write throughout the week. So the writing process is... It's the hardest. It's the hardest job on the right. show, definitely, and um, it it it's 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 a long process. It doesn't just you know they they aren't just putting um, banging them out you know, um, so it's just it's fascinating to see what they can do. Yeah, I've never been a part of that process, but I can only imagine like how fun that would be. Yeah. I, mean, I, I I'm assuming there's probably some debating that happens you know when when, when people are like talking about different characters and what oh, they should yeah. be doing. It can get heated, I'm sure. Uh, we hear stuff through the walls sometimes, but uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know how they do and they it. They weren't thin walls; they were yeah. like twelve foot. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, just imagine though coming into a room every day, every day, and looking at the same people across from a table right. like this every day. That's got to be part of the, part of a challenge. But um, they really, you know, they come through all the time. It's just amazing to see what they come up with. It really is. So you've had a lot of experience, you know, of, of course, on television and then also, you know, working on Fuller House on Netflix. Mm -hmm. How has the landscape changed from your perspective? Well, I remember, <clears throat> like, none of us, when, when we went to Netflix, none of us knew how it worked. So a couple of executives came in and kind of told us, because we wanted to know, well, how do you, how do you realize that? this is going to be a hit show. Is it a hit show or not? How do you keep it on the air? What do you, what do you look at? You don't do Nielsen ratings. So what, what is it that you use to determine that a show is a good show? And they, they didn't really give us a lot of details, but they kind of said, well, we look at how many people sign up for the service once the show is premiered. So they'll promo a show 
into the world, and then they'll start gauging how many people, um, how many new subscribers they get. Right. And then obviously you know how it works from there. You know, they, 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 they can see how many people watch, how many people finish an episode, how many, uh, actually not, not people, but how many, um, how many devices will start a show and then watch it through the, the, the first episode, how many will watch three in a row, how, how long does it take them to finish the season, those kind of things. So for us, it was a new way of, of understanding how they consider a show a, a success or not. So, But it was still, to be quite honest, it was still the same kind of a process for a multicam show as far as the production side, production of, it. side of it and the writing of it is pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah, what I find fascinating, though, is kind of like the banter that we talked about a little bit before is now, hey, are, is there going to be a second season, you know, and how much money is going to go behind that second season is based off of what actually happens, you know, now and currently, you know, on that on that content. So um, and I, I know that you had another opportunity, like you did one season with with Fuller House and you're able to, to experience that. And then you had another opportunity to come reboot um, Will and Grace. Yeah. Which is quite the process. I mean, like that alone for shows to reboot for, I mean, it was off, off air for how, how long? It was off the air for 11 years. For 11 yeah. years. Wow. And, well, and, 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 and I would assume that the reason why it came back on was they were looking for um, these subgroups of, okay, what, what was really, really popular at the time? Mm -hmm. Do they still have kind of a cult following? Um, could we actually do a reboot that makes sense? I know all those decisions were being made. Right. Um, but was the audience viewing back, um, you know, 11 years ago versus now, is it different? It's different. Yeah. There, I think there are fewer people that initially watch the show as it airs on the network. So um, I, I can't really remember the numbers that we were getting towards the end of our show, but I think we were kind of averaging around... 11 million viewers for a first run on the, yeah. you know, on, on the, the night, the first night that we aired. Um, and back in those days, people were doing DVR. So right. they were watching, some people were time shifting it, but, uh, uh, most people were watching it when it aired and then in repeats. Um, but now it's just totally different. And I, I know my, my television viewing habits are a lot different than they were, you know, 15 years ago. So, and I don't hardly ever, the only thing I watch live these days pretty much is, are sports. Yeah. And even then, I don't really like to watch sports live because <laughs> I like to flip through commercials if I can. Yep. I'll watch them maybe an hour or two shifted. So I'm almost watching sports live. But yeah, but it's, it's, a, different, it's a different way of watching um, sitcoms. And the bulk of our viewers come with, uh, you know, within three days or seven days after it originally airs. So yeah. Yeah, and to see the shifting of the the patterns of the viewers is is very interesting over the, the course of eleven years. Mm -hmm. But your hardcore people, they're the ones that are coming back, or what's who's the audience now? Well, our audience now, I mean, I think gay gay people love our show, yeah. um, but it, our audience it it's it's more skewed at least in the initial viewings. Um, more women watch our show than men, um, and. But that's just, you know, because of the content of our show, it's not, our show isn't for everybody, I don't think. It's, it's right. And it's also kind of politically charged, our show. So uh, in this, in this uh, world that we live in politically, it's, it's over here. It's, right. not, it's not over there. It's not in the middle. It's kind of over. It's left, definitely left-leaning. And so um, I think that's affected our, um, 
I think that part of our culture and the way our culture is kind of split these days in this country and a lot of other countries around the world, I think that's affecting how people are watching television too. You know, there's, there's guys that will watch Roseanne or they'll watch, um, uh, what's the other one? Man with a plan. Is that the one? No. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, man with st- uh, uh, the other man. The, one. You're talking about the Tim, <laughs> Al- Tim, the Tim Allen, Allen show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'll, they'll watch that show because it kind of lines up with their politics, but they won't watch Will and Grace cause it doesn't line up with their right. politics. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, you just wanted to watch the funniest show. Yeah. You just watch TV. Right. Just watch something. So relax. <laughs> so do you feel like, um, something like Will and Grace, like a reboot, is it always good to go back to the original network or is it like a way, is it, would you view it? maybe this would be better fit on like Amazon, Amazon prime or on Netflix or whatever that may be. I would assume that that kind of a platform would, um, make it so that more eyeballs could be on a show like ours. Yes. That's my own personal opinion. And why is that? I just think because, uh, because more people have access to the shows when they want to watch them right now, it airs on NBC and then it airs on Hulu. Okay. So Hulu gets it the next day. Well, Hulu is one of those, like it's, I don't know how many people subscribe to Hulu based on how many people subscribe to Netflix or Amazon prime, but I would assume that there are less um, subscribers there at Hulu. Absolutely. So if it was on, you know, if it was on Netflix, I think more people would be watching it, but that's just because of the number of subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the way, the way our show came, to be rebooted was, I don't think it was a, it wasn't planned by NBC because what happened back in 2016, um, I just wrapped up um, Fuller House and I got an email from Max Muchenek. It says, we're going to put the band back together. And I was like, what? (laughs) We're going to put the, we're going to do something. We're going to try to do something for Hillary or just to get people out there to vote. Right. And yeah, he and David Cohan had an idea um, just to to write something, uh, a quote-unquote episode of Will and Grace that would in, encourage people to get out to vote. So I don't know if you're familiar with what, with what happened back then in 2016, but they called me and Tim Kaiser, who's um, the other uh, So the was this going to be just one episode? A little one-off thing that would... Max, um, Max had the sets in storage because... The sets after Will and Grace ended went to Emerson College, right. and the main set, and it stayed in their library for ten years. And then they, they they said it has to go, and NBC wanted them back. Well, Max brought them back, put them in storage, and NBC was kind of knocking on his door. Um, we need those sets back. We're going to put them in an archive, and he said, "We well, I have to do something with this set before giving it back to NBC." So they decided just to write an episode and try to about the election and try to get people out to vote. And I don't know if you've ever saw it, but it was, you know, but we came together, the cast was on board. Um, we went to CBS Radford where we used to shoot the show. We asked, Hey, do you have a place where we could shoot something like this? Well, yeah, you can go in the basement over here. So we went into the basement, got the set put back together. Um, in the basement, in the basement, <laughs> had to kind of rebuild it because it was in pieces and kind of destroyed after going back and forth across the country. And the writers, they worked together, just Max and Dave and Gary Janetti and Bill Rubel basically came together and wrote this thing. And the actors came together and we put them in costumes and we made them up and we put lights up and, 
and uh, we shot we shot a little episode of television in front of about 100 people, yeah. and um, it cut together really well. They were they were still funny, good. The script was great. I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, at one point they were going to do it without permission. They were just going to put it out there, but. Some good legal people. Yeah, that's uh, usually what happens. The, it's like, are you going to just do it? No. It said, <laughs> Max, Dave, you guys, you have to, uh, you have to go to NBC and get permission to do this. So they did. They went to Bob Greenblatt, who was the president of NBC, and at they the had time. a pilot. Basically, they basically, had, yeah. And it, well, they just got permission to to put it on YouTube. You oh, know? got it, got it. And they said, yes, go ahead. And then seven million people watched it, and NBC, I guess, decided, well, that sounds, that's a lot more eyeballs that we're getting on our shows right now. Maybe it could work, and then they they made it into a new show. So. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it, it wasn't something they cultivated. It was something that was kind of just hand, kind of happened. Yeah, so it just happened. But, but, NBC but, saw the the reaction of the audience and like, okay, let's 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 reboot there, it. There might be something there. I don't know exactly how it happened in their world, but. It happened after this yeah. thing was made. But yeah. I love it how he's working for Fuller House. He's like, "Hey, put the band back together." Okay, we'll we'll see you. <laughs> well, we're, we're going. <laughs> it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite like that, but yeah, but it was. It came at a good time. Let's yeah, good time. Much. Okay, yeah. so um, that's very fascinating, and I I I think um, doing reboots is pretty risky, um, just because. You have this sense of of um, essence in the first original. It's like for me, I'm a Star Wars geek, like more than you can ever imagine. My first kid's named Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not really. <laughs> it's, it's Anakin. It, it's but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, is it really? No, it's okay. not. <laughs> um, but but anyway, you have this. You know, people just viewing how the the season is or the the episodes are. And then that could change it. That could change their perception. Like for me, uh, when I saw The Last Jedi, I was like, oh. I know. <laughs> you know a, lot, was, a lot of people felt it, that it, way. It was like, what did they do to, yeah. to my childhood? Yeah. And why I love Star Wars. But in this sense, was that a, a big risk going into it, like with Will and Grace? Or is that something more, hey? I think it always, that's always something that you have to probably lay awake at night thinking about. I'm sure the writers went through that. Um, but... It turned out that I think that the quality of the writing on this, a lot of the writers, the original writers came back. Not all of them. We, there's some new young writers as well. But I think that the quality of the writing on Will and Grace was, was still there. So um, in our case, it worked out. And in Fuller House, it was a different show, basically, with the same kind of feel. you know. Right. So it's a really a different show. Our, our show is just the same show as if it never ended. Right. So, so one's a spinoff versus the other. Yeah, that Fuller Houses really is a spinoff, and but Will and Grace is just a reboot or continuation of the of the original show, with you know, so older um, older actors. Like I, I know that you're like still in production and you're you're doing multiple seasons with um, Will and Grace, but the question is that that will end at one time. And if you're looking for your next project, are you more leaning towards traditional broadcast or more like the the Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus? Well, I think the the, the market kind of dictates it. So who's making the shows? So that's that's where I, I'll be looking. And who is making the most shows right well, now? <laughs> it's it's Netflix is still making sitcoms. Yeah. Uh, this year, NBC did not make one sitcom. Or wow. multi multi cam sitcom, right? Other than Will and Grace, uh, they didn't even. I, don't, I think they may have done two pilots, 
but they didn't. Usually, you'll see a network do three or four, five, six, depends, uh, multi-cam pilots. Uh, but NBC didn't do them this year. ABC had fresh off the boat last year. I think they have a couple of them. But CBS is, are, is the company who is still making multi-cam sitcoms. And I did a pilot for them this past year. They did get picked up, and it'll be on the air in, it's as a mid-season replacement. It's what's called Broke. Um, but um, but out of the, all the ones that you just talked about, um, CBS has more online digital footprint. That's true. Than mm-hmm. the other two, and they that's know, true. like, like they have a way to distribute it differently right. than just broadcast. That's true. I agree. So, and I enjoyed working for CBS. There, it, it's a great, it's a great studio. Uh, but Netflix, um, Amazon Prime, um, YouTube kind of got into it for a while, uh, but I don't know if they're still active, actively producing scripted or right. not. Yeah, they're 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 staying very niche. They're, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're focusing on um, sports and music, and just like a and then influencers things. that have big audiences right. on YouTube. But mm-hmm. the other company though too that's really really fascinating is Apple. Yeah. Like all the deals that are going oh, yeah. together right well, now. Absolutely, I mean, it's, it's gonna be huge. interesting to see what happens there. And then you have Quibi as well. Yeah, yeah. And 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 yeah, you know, I, I, who who knows what's gonna happen there? Um, you know, it's it, it, it's very risky to, 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 to go from being an entertainment you know executive to know, creating a platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different, you know, oh, things yeah. they have to look at that are going to be much, they're going to be very difficult. It's fascinating. And, you know, they're trying to go after, obviously, the short attention, pan, uh, attention span um, theater or the way people v- view things these days. So let's see, hopefully, Quibi, I, I, I hope, I want that to be successful. Yeah. I want Apple to be successful. I'm, I, I love it. But I don't know how much, how much, how much can we watch? You know, I, I, I just I don't really, know. I really do believe this. It's like, like, and I'll debate anyone on this, on this short attention span. Yeah. It's about quality content. Like I how agree. many people went and watched Game of Thrones That's and right. they were like, you know, sitting, waiting till it would come on just right. so they can, uh, you know, consume it. That's and, right. and for me, if if the writing's good, the production's good, they're gonna you're gonna get their eyeballs. I agree, and, and I, I think, think Quibi will do well there. I yeah. think they will have high quality content. Yeah. The question is, are they gonna be able to build an audience? Mm-hmm. And 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 look at it. I mean, I mean, it just it's about creating the right team, and then you know poaching from those other platforms well, it, to really you I don't, know, grow I don't that know if audience. it's poaching from platforms. It's like you have to have solid content. So like Netflix, like if you were to say if there's one series on Netflix that brought more subscribers in in the beginning, what would that be? House of Cards. House of Cards, mm-hmm. 100%. Of yeah. And what, what on Netflix is of that quality right now? Yeah. Tell me one show that's as good as House of Cards was that first season. Yeah. That house of cards was off the charts. That, what, Russian Doll was pretty damn good. Was that Netflix? Yeah, that's Netflix. That was pretty damn good. Yeah. But um, there are, for every one that's that good, there are honestly 10 that are just, but, eh. But yeah. That's, but that's important. But it's, flying, it's throwing flies against the wall and seeing what sticks, yeah. right? <laughs> but flies. That, yeah. But that's <laughs> a part of their, their business strategy is yeah. they, all they need is to have a couple what we call bangers. Yeah. <laughs> After that, 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 you know. You know, they'll watch these other stuff while they're waiting for the next big. big and it's release. really not about viewership as much as it is about subscriptions and how people, how many, uh, how do they retain their subscribers and how do they find new subscribers? Right. And I think they're going obviously. Well, they're going to saturate. They're, they're yeah. gonna so gonna I think there's going to be a bubble point. Yeah, for, for, for sure. I mean, yeah. for there sure. are a lot of platforms out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there's just there's just a lot of them, and and, there, and it seems like there's a new announcement like every month of another platform that's going to get started. Yep. And, and and so and and I and I, I believe. 
believe there's a good chance that the the, the other networks and broadcast are going to try to get much more aggressive in the space as well. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be winners and losers. The, the, and and the, so when you like have Disney, you have Apple, which are both like the family-friendly content platforms. And then you have Netflix and Amazon who are already giants. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who maintains market share. And, and the question is going to be and is – And who doesn't grow at the all. Model, the model of how – the company interacts with the creators because it's like you know at the end of the day is it really netflix that's bringing this show together no you know what i'm saying they might they might give you data they might give you opportunity, but it's not Netflix that's pulling well, it together. Well, they're the highest bidder. They're the highest bidder. That's right, what's going right. on right and, now. And they're willing to put kind of some money, not only money behind it, but opportunity that's there. But at the end of the day, that is going to be a big problem for traditional television because they want so much control that they're like, no, we need to control the creative instead of saying, hey, creative, here's some data and do what you want with it. Like if, if it works well, you're going to, we'll produce more. If it doesn't, then sure, guess what? Sure. We'll cancel you. Well, you guys remember like, like a couple years back, you know, like during the Sundance Film Festival or the, or the other film festivals where, you know, Amazon and Netflix, you know, were the ones buying everything. Mm-hmm. They're outbidding the studios. Yep. Today, it's a little different. Like it's like they're, they're much more integrated. Like they're doing a lot of different stuff, like building infrastructure in like Spain for the European yep. um, productions. They're doing stuff in Canada. Um, they're, they're also very involved in Atlanta. Um, they've gotten so integrated where, you know, they're not going out there and like buying shows from festivals. They're, they're making deals before everything's completely Absolutely. Written. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's just going to, that's going to keep happening. So I look at, I look at all the companies. I think Amazon's really interesting. I really am digging some of the shows. Well, you know why? There. Because I think Amazon has a leader over there. That's there, right. There is a, a um, um, Jen, uh, come on, I just lost her name. Don't get old if you can avoid it. But <laughs> anyway, she was the president of NBC, and now she's over there at Amazon. Um, Jen, is it Jen Salky, I believe. And uh, you have a creative mind who's driving that. that. Like, look at the best years of NBC, which probably put out some of the most amazing comedies ever in television. And like Warren Littlefield was in charge of many of the years of the greatest. Like he was a lot. His last year, he 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 greenlit Will and Grace, one of the one of the last great multicam sitcoms. Right. Um, I think there has to be somebody in charge, somebody with a vision, somebody who knows what's good and what isn't good, and makes decisions like this um, to curate the what people are are going to be seen on these on these platforms. So I don't know I don't know who's doing it at Netflix because I I just you know, I'm so busy. I don't have time to, to look into that kind of stuff. But I think there's somebody at Amazon who's who has a vision and who's really going to be bringing in some, the right people to write these shows. Right. So um, I don't know. I think I think the, the so you're betting on Amazon. I, I I think so, but but just because I think I've been seeing, you know, they do they do less quantity, but I think they do what the the percentage of what they put out that is really good is better than the percentage of what Netflix All I got to say is um, Amazon versus quality versus Netflix, like Jack Ryan, Mm -hmm. that was like one of the best action shows I've ever seen in my life. For television? Really good. Yeah. It was great. Bosch? Yeah, Bosch is like off the charts too. Uh, Goliath, the first season, the Goliath second season was kind of funky, but Goliath is awesome. I mean, it's a great show. Um, What did I just watch with um, Kate Beckinsale? Uh, Uh, Widow. Widow was really good. 
and kind of on a big scale too, you know, um, great locations and things like that. Just great stuff. Um, I just watched um, I Am Mother on Netflix. Okay, now that creeped movie. me out. I, I yeah. haven't watched it. I was like, like I was trying to go to sleep and you know get up and make yeah. it to this podcast. And when you roll over on um, on Netflix, it auto plays a trailer. Yeah. yeah, I watched that trailer and it literally freaked me out. Like, did, <laughs> do you want to watch? It? That's I, I, I'm going to watch it, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't watch it tonight because I won't go to sleep. It was it was interesting. It was, it's like it, a it was pretty well apocalyptic done. Yeah. robots running the world type of yeah. type of thing. So one that I liked recently on Netflix, and and you know I agree because there's a lot of original programs where it's like eh, mm-hmm. not that good but then there's a good handful I think that I really like mm-hmm. and then I like you know the, the deals that they do with like English production companies yep. like getting like Peaky Blinders and, and all right. those different programs but one that I really liked that I think could be a trend of the future is um, Haunted uh, is it Haunted Hill House I just finished it mm-hmm. oh my goodness episode 5 of that series was probably one of the scariest things I've ever seen <laughs> right <laughs> television or film in the last 20 years Honestly, it was well done. You so, know, it ended kind of. Did you watch the end? Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Continue. You're fine. But the episode five of that show was was just so well done and scarier than hell, man. Oh, it, was, it is. It's really well done. Well, well, and this is the thing. I, I do a little bit of investing on the side when it comes to productions, and mm-hmm. and um, I have I have a couple of different. You know, I have, uh, they're, they're, I'm usually targeted to a specific niche, and I've I've been. Investing a little bit into like horror films, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think I think it, it's going to be. <laughs> they yeah, make, they and make then, money, and I've also also done it in a Bible series as it's well. Just like horror I'm films and Bible films, I, 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 I'm on two sides of the spectrum because that's where the money is. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. if you're going to do the a horror film, there's going to be money. But I'll tell you this. Um, I think there's going to be a much bigger trend because of Haunted of, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. I think there's going to be a bigger trend of horror series. Yeah. Because that was done so well. I loved it. And it, and it scared the heck out yeah. of me. Like, I, I, I had a hard time finishing it. Mm-hmm. I could watch one episode a, a day, and I'm I'm usually not easily scared. Like, what, what scared you the most? I mean... You're, you're, you're so much deeper in the storyline. And that's the thing about, you know, series compared to film. Yeah. With film, you know, you have a casual relationship with the characters. Correct. But with series, you have really created this bond mm-hmm. and, and you're invested in the story and it's much more real. Yeah. And it's heavy. When something bad happens, I mean, you, you feel like you're losing, you know, that relationship. Yeah. So anyways, um, I, I felt like it, it definitely scared me in a way that no other film has. Character right. development. I guess I gotta watch it. Yeah. Oh, you definitely I, gotta watch I, I've it. I definitely yeah. debated. I'm like, eh, I don't know. It's but worth it. It is worth it. Mm-hmm. So, so um, it's interesting. I think we could talk about different productions and things that's there. I think for me, it's like, where's the industry going? Like, where, where do you see it? Like, you've been knee deep, if not deeper, into Hollywood and productions. Where do you see this going in five years? Well, it's hard. It's hard for me to really predicts things like that because when 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 they put on um survivor against us way back when i said this this shit's not gonna <laughs> who's gonna watch this yeah you know or who's or when i when when they built that stage for big brother at cbs radford so why are they building this for this who's gonna watch this 24 hours who's gonna so i i mean i may not be the best guy to figure it out but where, where do i think th- things are going i i think that 
I think people like to watch sitcoms. You know, I found that out from working at Disney Channel and watching the kids show up for these things in the audience and scream at the top of their lungs to the point where you have to hold your ears. Uh, so I still think there there is an audience for sitcoms. I just think that they're um, that that writers underestimate their audiences and um, that they I don't know maybe on some of these lesser sitcoms, they're, they're not doing their audience justice. I still think people will watch good, funny shows, no matter what they are. So um, the thing, same with dramas. People, like, I will always want to watch a great drama. Do I want to watch a crappy kind of a um, yeah, procedural? I, I don't watch those. But a great drama, I'll always watch a great drama. But, but you put a show on the air, something like Fleabag. Have you watched Fleabag? on Amazon Prime. Oh my God, guys. Is it good? What a brilliant, brilliant show. Brilliant. It's a BBC co-production okay. with them and it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. It's one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time, but also it's real and it's about a woman dealing with some pretty real stuff in her life. But, but this actress, um, she's fantastic, but Fleabag. Shows like that, If as long as they're good, people are going to watch. I think just... You know, writers keep keep writing stuff that's good, and people are going to come to it. So, I, the the thing that interests me, um, you know, about where content is, is like we're getting new mediums, how people are consuming, mm -hmm. and that's where the creativity is is actually they're upping the game, right? And and like you said, eleven years ago, you know, the ratings that you had isn't the, necessarily the same, and even right. your own viewing uh, behavior is not even the same. It's My true. viewing behavior is not even the same. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can't even remember when I actually sat down and watched some broadcast television. It's yeah. been so long. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is how are you going to tie the creative in? to really connect with the audience. And I think at the end of the day, whether it's a horror film, whether it's something about Jesus, whether like I like we brought up Bosch, it's like one whole season's kind of one long story. Right. You know, it's just like a novel. It's a novel. <laughs> it's going from, you know, chapter to chapter and it's it's just playing off each other and it's just brilliantly done. I think that's the new um, way that people are consuming. And then you also brought up uh, Survivor and other things that are competitive uh, uh, reality type mm -hmm. uh, programming. Now, the most interesting demographic that I see is Generation Z. And, and I have kids that are Generation Z and their consuming patterns are completely opposite of you know older millennials or even you know Gen X or whatever, this is an industry that's coming up, and and here you have Disney that's doing a huge pivot, like a huge pivot to do Disney Plus, and and do you feel like when you worked with Disney they had a good pulse on that market because they they always had. They always knew the wave coming in. I thought that Disney has done a great job of understanding that. Do you feel yeah. like they still have that? Well, yeah, I think they. I think that I think it's going to be a huge success. Um, I worked with people over there. The production people that I worked with are they're all brilliant over there at Disney Channel. Uh, they found a way to, you know, make product at a certain um, uh, within certain budgetary constraints that kids want to watch and they found a way to continually have it available to kids you know this is before kids had uh, you know tablets in their hands right. so so yeah i think they found a way to 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 uh, create an audience that would stick with them for life so i think disney's going to be 
very successful at this. I think Disney Plus is going to be is going to be great. Kids are, you know, kids. I don't know if you go to a restaurant these days, but a kid always has a device oh, I, in their I'm hand. I'm always screen looking to see what YouTube yeah. channel they're on. It's, yeah. it's crazy, but but they're watching YouTube for the most it, part. But I think Disney will will take it we'll into that. Disney does, but there is something, uh, and it was in a previous conversation that we had. Um, but Disney is definitely going in that direction. But the ones that are really hitting Gen Z right now is CW. Mm-hmm. And my kids, they will literally sit down and watch just Arrow and yeah. you know, Supergirl and all the stuff that's come on Netflix. But they, you know, I've told them, hey, you can watch that on, you know, YouTube TV. And they're like, why would I want to go on YouTube TV and have the commercials? I want to consume as much as I want. Yeah. And and the way that they're the distribution, I don't know if you've seen how they are distributing <laughs> it now. Um, but it's just like immediately just on, on Netflix so you can consume it. They don't have to wait for a full season, right. which is good. Right. Yeah, I, in, in, in the Warner Brothers, the new platform they're coming up with. Um, oh, so we've got more platforms right yeah, there's more. I mean, there, eight, since eight, eight, the merger with AT&T, there's a, a huge um, creative um, brain trust over there, and they have such a huge library to pull from. So, you know, it's a part, and HBO is going to be part of it somehow, too. Uh, and and uh, with with uh, Peter Roth, who you know, oversees Warner Brothers Television, I mean that guy's a genius. For obviously the CW, that's all their content. Right. So um, he's a genius, and I I think he's going to be a. I don't know exactly how it's working over there, but I would assume he's going to be a part of that. So whatever that platform is going to be, that's going to be interesting to see. So they're going to be giving people work. Um, Warner Brothers. Uh, so at Warner Brothers. Uh, Disney is going to keep people working. Apple t- Apple is going to keep people working, and Netflix will keep you working. And you know, so there's five major. Uh, yeah, and I, I think I personally think it's too much. And I do too. Uh, but like, I'm, we're happy for it because you no, know everybody's work. working. Everybody's working. <laughs> well, well, this is the thing. I don't know if it's too much. I think it'll be too much when I have a list of series and videos I want to watch. I can guarantee you, it's already that, that, that way. That, that I have that on my that, Netflix that I can't queue catch already. Up with. Yeah. Like, I'm able to catch up right now. Like, yes, there is a lot of content, but I think there's still room for better content. Well, I, I agree there's room for better content, but I, I don't know. Maybe I, I would like the future a little bit different, but um, I, I don't know. This is like another platform. Like sure, I, This sure. is the first I've heard that, well, well, that Warner I'm, was going to actually do one. I'm not convinced that any of the other platforms have a solution um, um, for, for Gen Z. Yet, hmm. I mean, I, I, I think there are things that are gaining I momentum that are exciting. I YouTube is. I, uh, 100%. Well, no, 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 that, that's what I was actually going to say. I was actually just going oh, so to say that. Okay. Yes, you cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Stop, Stop it, it now, Daryl. Um, <laughs> hold your horses. So, but no, YouTube has come up with the solution for generation. I mean, for Gen Z and and or and and, and younger. I mean, I mean, my my daughter, it's a three year old. Mm-hmm. I mean. She doesn't like navigating Netflix or, or, or any other platform. I don't like navigating Netflix. Right. No, it, neither it do I. Honestly, but cr- it creates anxiety, anxiety in me. <laughs> sure, sure, I'm sure. It's, 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 and then I, it, I, I can't tell you how many times I just go, okay, shit, fuck it. I'm just, you just, go I, just for it. I go, I, I just turn it off because I can't decide what to watch yeah. because there's too much. Sure, sure. And I don't know if any of it's good and I don't want to invest the time if it's not good. And then I, and if I do invest the time and it's bad, then I I hate myself for it. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, so my question it's is, a dilemma of life. You know, yeah. is Disney or, or Apple or any of the other platforms that are starting out? You know, I know Quibi's trying to do this. Are they going to beat YouTube at their own game? Because mm-hmm. because my daughter tries to consume as much content as quickly as possible. Yeah, flip through it and 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 you know watch a little bit there. Oh, don't like it. I'm going to go to the next one. I mean, I mean. 
I mean, and so, so like, so my question is, is, you know, is, is Disney going to have like the, you know, like the, the FBE or like Fine Brothers Entertainment type content where they're going to have reaction videos, mm-hmm. um, following and leveraging the trends that are on YouTube, which are the majority of the viewership when it comes to Generation Z. I, I can tell you this, like YouTube has it down. There's certain things that they struggle with, but they sure. definitely have it down to get people to consume, especially that demographic. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are super connected with their creators. Um, I, I have two, uh, two teenagers, well, one's 12 years old, but, uh, uh, but they will sit down and if I don't get them off their phone, they'll watch like three or four hours yeah. straight yep. of the same creator. I'm like, how can you, number one, how can you even do that? Mm-hmm. But that's how they consume it. And, you know, they're really, really getting involved with everything that's going on and they'll watch an episode that's, you know, usually about 10 to 12 minutes long. They'll probably watch it five or six times, you know, and it's just like they watch it back to back. They just want to be entertained in that way. And YouTube's a really, really interesting way to get content. And I think the AI is super smart of getting the right content for that person. They'll predict what they'll watch next. But where where they hey, we've don't, talked about this before. Their, yeah, their but, featured videos are spot on. Yeah, just it's just one hundred percent. But what the problem is is scripted content, and that's where that's where YouTube has really struggled. I mean, they have Cobra Kai, which is great. Um, it brought you know a lot of eyeballs on it, and now instead of doing it behind a paywall, because um, that's that was the problem I, I view where uh, YouTube was facing is they put it behind a paywall when they should have just put it out on the platform. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once they on once it. they start once that starts clicking for for YouTube, I I think it's game over for for uh, Gen Z because it's just like hey, if you want the eyeballs, we can get you the eyeballs, and the ad revenue that's coming from that. I mean, it's it's lucrative. I mean, you, you're looking at some licensing deals that's sort of lucrative or whatever, right. but you get you know hundreds of millions of video views. It's a very, very lucrative. And then you work with the integrated uh, branding in there too. It could be really, really an interesting direction. So I my prediction for the next couple of years is YouTube will be um, putting less behind paywall and getting more in that because of the fear of gaming. Um, you know, like Fortnite and well, are they uh, lifting up the hip paywall? Like I they mean, are pay- right now. Oh, yeah, yeah they, they've lifted that. Yeah, and and, and I, I think you know YouTube premiums now just for people that want to avoid advertising, which that's so what right. it should be. Yeah, 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 you should be able to pay for that. I know that they about three or four months ago they did a major pivot on the production end. They called it a pivot. Yep, yeah. that's a new word to me. The pivot. Uh, the pivot. So they were pivoting away from developing scripted stuff yep. to just only concentrating on um, everything else. Yep. So um, so they're just kind of, I know that they're just kind of finishing out whatever projects that were already in the pipeline, yeah. but they're not developing new scripted stuff. I think it's smart because, I mean, do what you do best. And and if, if something scripted is going to happen, let it happen organically. Mm-hmm. Because, because I think we probably will see new iterations of, of sitcoms on YouTube, you know, Catered to a much younger audience yeah. that were, that where they're just going to get it, and YouTube alone, you know, taking a centralized approach is going to make it really difficult for them to be successful. I think it has to happen organically. Yeah, but my point is, most of them don't want that. They want more the reality competition based sure. type of content. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. every once in a while they'll they'll binge watch something like Arrow or something like sure, that, something sure. that's more scripted. But it's like you got to have that. And I think that's where Cobra Kai came in. It's just like you have this vertical, um, and it performed extremely well yeah, on it YouTube. It was well done. And it was very, very well done. 
Um, I can see content like that really performing well on, on YouTube, but where YouTube's always made the mistake, and I'll be the first one to point this out, is they bring in uh, a creator on YouTube that's been doing unscripted content for 10 years or for five years, and so, okay, you're, you're under script, and it doesn't feel real. Right. They, it has that disconnection. Yeah, Wait some, a minute, I have to read my lines? Yeah, some, some people are actors and some people aren't. They yeah. may be, you know, you may be great in front of a camera just talking, riffing and talking about life or whatever it is, but if you were... Uh, if you were the person charged with actually writing a script and then performing that script, you might not be good at that. So right. maybe the Freddie W's and the Corridor Digitals will rise up again. I hope so because that's the YouTube that I love. I mean, the whole so Freddie Wong. Steve, is I don't know like, if you're you're familiar with the, these channels, but they're basically channels that were the first ones to do gaming in real life, mm -hmm. and so they create you know different you know heavily VFX type stuff. Yeah. Right, they create little series or or videos. I mean, about you know taking a game and being inside that game, right. and it did really well. Yeah. Um, but it, um, the type of content they're creating wasn't benefited when al when the, when YouTube changed their algorithm. Mm -hmm. And and it, it, I mean, I mean, Corridor Digital is still kicking. Well, yeah, a really but it's job, like you, you, you have they're going to be on their program. Your later budget on. comes by you know ad revenue that's on previous videos, yeah. and when you take that out, it's like okay, we're going to put how much time for mm -hmm. a three or four minute video when the video needs to be ten, or it mm -hmm. increases your budget. From there, so yeah. yeah. So the question I have: Are the Big Brothers and the Survivors um, going to last, um, or, or is there a chance that there's going to be similar you, content you on YouTube? You tell me, anyone from Generation Z that's watching that, I I, 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 I would not be surprised. I, I, well, this, is, this like, is the thing. This is the thing. My you wife loves it. Yeah, yeah. that's the demo. That's the that's well, the audience. No, so so I got into. But you're, I got you're, into Big Bro I got into both you're, Big you're Brother and Survivor like late into the game. And then my wife and I binge watched everything, yeah. both on both programs. We we got in like, I think I think we seriously got into it like probably like six seven years ago, mm -hmm. and we're like, what have we been missing? Because it's it's really good. It's very strategic. Um, I, but but with that, but said, you're not the audience. I mean, that's a millennial no, I, audience. I'm not, I, yeah, you're right. You know, you're 100 percent right there. But <laughs> but unscripted is 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 a youtube thing yeah no and i that's where they they definitely dominate is the unscripted but it's like there there is like from the from the production side i i see them moving forward with with content creators and letting content creators have a little bit more control because where it was before they'd bring in uh these production houses okay we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a series on on youtube and this is where it's gonna be and this is what you need to do and they're like wait a minute this totally deviated from what the idea was mm -hmm. and that's where i think the disconnect was and they weren't as amped on pushing and promoting you know like like they could and when the the viewers would watch it they're like this wasn't really what I was expecting, you know, because they get this familiarity of that content creator. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. Um, Steve, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you do whatever you can to sometimes skip um, the advertising yeah. and, and to skip through it. Um, one thing that I'm a big believer of is that a much bigger part of the marketing mix is going to be inside of the content rather than outside. Yeah. Um, are you seeing any trends there from a broadcast perspective? Well, it's been, it's been, yes, yeah, so there the past few years, there has there have been new deals and things like that at the studio level, at the network level. Um, so they are integrating. In, they call it integration. They are integrating products into the shows. And um, in our first season back, um, Honda had a deal with NBC, and I think Sean Hayes did a commercial for them. And then um, uh, last year, we did the, Google did a deal with NBC 
or the Universal Television, either one. But and uh, there, some of their products were featured on Will and Grace and integrated into the script. Um, so that's what's happening. Um, I'm sure they're with the viewership going down for the networks that they have to find new ways of generating revenue somehow. So that's definitely something they're working on, and it's uh, uh, they're they're actively. Uh, they have departments now set up at studios to handle this kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a real thing. Um, it can be real organic and work real well, and it can be um, tough to to integrate stuff into organically into a, a show. They don't tell you you have to do it. They they ask, "Will you do this?" And you say, "Yes, of course, we'll do that," uh, because we're all part of a team and we're trying to work for the uh, greater good. But um, it was. Um, it's difficult to, it's difficult to take something that's not part of the writer's original concept or ideas, and taking something from the outside and bringing it in, and then trying to make it work within what the writers are trying to work on. But you know, they, well, they do, they do when it's uh, when they're asked to do something, they usually step up and do it. Yeah, and I think that's where um, things are leading is that that's where the creativity needs to come. So, okay, here's here's a product, do something, yeah. an episode around this. Yeah. Because I guarantee you that the ad dollars, the way that it was being spent before, um, was the best possible they could at the time. Now we can track everything. We can see exactly what's going on, and you can make data-driven decisions where that dollar is going to be. And so the writing's on the wall. And I, I've seen it, um, and I've worked with talented creators too. It's just like, that's just a prop, you know, and then it can go. Now the problem's going to be is where the brand comes in. So like, wait, you can't do that. You can't, you can't do that with my thing. And it has to be approved. Well, they've told, they, they, that, that's happening. Yeah. That's happening. So, but we, we kind of know going in what you can and can do, what you can and can't do. You can't, you can't say anything derogatory about the product. You can't say that it can do something that it can't do, right. even if it's if it's a joke. Um, and it's funny if it does if it would do that. No, you can't. You can only say that it can do things it actually does. Yeah. Uh, and you can't be you know disparaging to the product. You can't show it doing something dangerous, or you, you can't show it exploding. Like if it's a phone, you can't show it exploding, even though that might be funny. You know, no, you can't do that. Yeah, right. But so. It's it is. Um, and it's about getting guidelines from the brand as well. Yeah, you get of, guidelines. Like, of do's and don'ts. They're and, not shy. Yeah, and not shy. And and that's another thing for like the brand to also learn is um, getting integrated in a way that's consistent with the program. Right. If you're inconsistent, there's a, there's a there's a bigger chance of blowback yeah. than you know being in, you know being yeah. in there you know authentically. And then there's there's the um, you know we're we're shooting ahead, so we don't we're shooting here in the summer. We don't even know right now when we're going to air. We'll probably air sometime in the fall, late fall or early or in the winter. We don't really know. But so their product that they're, they have products that aren't out yet. Okay. So, so we couldn't, they couldn't give us the product. Well, we need the product because we have to know what it does. Well, we don't have it yet, but we can, you know, we can be there and show it to you, but we have to have the security guard and this person and that. So, you know, they're real, it was like we did Google three phones, right? So they weren't out yet. So it was real. There were a lot of restrictions about how we could actually get them to see what they do so that we can know how to try to work it them into a script. exactly like the you know? Google Pixel 2. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. But it does more things. It does the, but you can't tell it's the same phone. You know? Well, but it does the uh, you know the thing with the the, the selfie feature right, and right, the, right. you turn it upside down and it, see I know all the things that it could do because we had to go through that and try to figure out which ones we could the writers would be okay with you know 
but it's yeah i i think it's great i, I like it it's it's fine it it's a challenge um and we're up to the challenge and we can make it's part of, it's just part of producing it's just like trying to get an actor's schedule to work out you know to so that we can shoot him when we need to shoot him uh, it's the same it's just a, another thing for a producer to kind of just deal with and work out and that's what we do for a living so it's fine. Throw it all at me. We can. Man, it, it like seriously, this has been a enlightening discussion. Well, it has. I, Thank you so much. You know, it's I, my pleasure. I'm, I'm literally terrified of another platform being announced. Why we just had this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it's going to happen. <laughs> you know it's a beautiful time. I mean, we, it, we all here is. love content. I, we love I, to no. consume content. I love the competition angle of it. It's yeah. like who's going to get the eyeballs. My There's only never problem been is a bigger supply and also never a bigger it, demand. It hurts yeah. my bank account because I keep on buying these subscriptions. Yeah, I think oh, if, yeah. if they only made them like five dollars, like ESPN Plus is fine yeah. it's another five bucks i can handle that right but another 15 20 bucks every month for all these programs uh, it's definitely on the horizon oh, yeah. yeah but thank you thank you for jumping thank on thank you steve thank you thank you everyone for joining the creative disruption podcast and if you haven't subscribed make sure you hit that subscribe button whether it's on youtube or on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to share this with your friends